Reader's Digest presents Hollywood 360 with your host, Carl Amari. He was like a god walking amongst mere mortals. He had a voice that could make a wolverine purr. And suits so fine, they made Sinatra look like a hobo. Is this your place, Carl? Yeah, what do you think? Really? It's really awful. But I have a lot of things that are on order. You know, credit trouble. Pay more attention to your schoolwork and listen to the radio. You always listen to the radio. It's different. Our lives are ruined already. The Whistler. self-destruct in five seconds. Hello, everyone. I'm Carl Amari, and this is Hollywood 360, the radio show that presents all things entertainment, including movie reviews, celebrity interviews, classic radio shows, trivia contests, and showbiz news. This hour on Hollywood 360, I'll present a classic radio drama on the lives of Harry Lime, starring Orson Welles. But first, national movie critic Sarah Adamson is here to review two films that recently released, Everest and Meet the Patels. Hey, Sarah, how are you? I'm doing great, Carl. How are you? Excellent. Let's talk about Everest. Human beings simply aren't built to function at the cruising altitude of a 747. Our bodies will be literally dying. Everest is another beast altogether. What's this film all about? It's rated PG-13. It's a drama by Universal Pictures. I saw this in the IMAX and 3D. Mm. You know, so you felt you know, like you were in the eye of the storm then, oh, right, when you saw this? Yes, right? yes, I did. Yeah. There were times where I had to look away. It right. was like, whoa, too close to the edge for me. Um, <laughs> but really, this film is a tribute to the 1996 mountain climbing truckers who lost their lives right. to simply... Be at the top, the two, right. 25. It's like, there's the mountain. Why did I climb it? Because it was there. Yeah, exactly. Know? And they lost their lives doing it. They did. It resulted in eight deaths. But even though we know that, you know, the facts are still a little sketchy. If You don't know the whole story. Mm-hmm. And they attempt here to really give us the real deal. Right. We've right. got some big name stars in this one, Carl. Yes, we do. Oh, boy. Josh Brolin, Jason Clark, John Hawks have most of the screen time. Right. But yet we've got Jake Gyllenhaal, Kira Knightley. Knightley. Yeah, yeah, she's yeah. like the uh, the wife of uh, I think Jason Clark. In yes, this, right. Yes. Yeah, and she's uh, she's not she's not on the expedition. She's back home, and they're talking on the phone. Yes, and she's kind of sort of witnessing what's happening through this phone conversation. She is. She is. You know, this was filmed at the highest elevations of Mount Everest. Wow. And the most of the filming with the actors was the Italian Alps. Wow, very, so, very cool. extremely realistic, Carl. All right, another clip from Everest. You go, I'm down. No, I'm not letting you go behind. Come on. It's going to take all we got. We're all getting down together. Let's go. If anyone can make it, you can. So what did you think of the film? You know, I'm in. Three stars. I totally appreciated the cinematography here, along with the very camera angles. I mean, the wide sweeping shots and just tight cliff edge. I mean, sometimes you're just like, whoa, you can't even look because you're right. It's so spellbinding. You feel like you're there. Yeah, it's intense. Right. You get a true sense of what it really means to climb Mount Everest. Right. And if you're going to see this movie, bring a jacket because you're going to be cold because it's very cold. <laughs> oh, yes. In Mount Everest. Yes, yes. It's heartbreaking. And it's hard to breathe when you get way up there, too. Yes, it is. They have to take oxygen up. Yeah. And, you know, it's just... This um, is not for me. You're never going to get me, Sarah, 
to climb Mount Everest. Sorry. No, me either. No. I don't understand. I'm not going to jump out of an airplane yeah, it's re- with really... a parachute, and I'm not going to climb Mount Everest. No, Sorry. you're risking your life. Yeah. You really are. But stay for the credits if you do see the film because it shows the real life people, which I always appreciate. Yes. When they pay tribute to them. Yep. All right. So three stars for Everest. Let's talk now about Meet the Patels. The story starts two years ago in L.A. I had just broken up with Audrey, and I was miserable. We'd been together for two years, and I had never told Mom and Dad about her. In fact, they were freaking out because, you know, here I was, almost 30, never married, which in our culture is like... Code Red. Code Red. So what's this film all about? It's rated PG. It's a comedy. by It's, it's a comedy slash documentary yes. by uh, Alchemy Films. This is an unusual film yeah, for very, documentaries. Very, very unusual, yeah. Because documentaries are usually serious and they're yeah. dramas, but this is a laugh-out-loud comedy. Oh, my gosh. It's hysterical. This is really funny, this film. Really funny. Yeah. It, they follow this 30-year-old around, Ravi Patel, <laughs> right. who is trying to find love, but not having a lot of luck with that. Well, he's in America, and he likes American women. Yes. And his parents just notoriously wanting him to get married to an Indian girl. Yes. And they'll yes. do anything. Oh, they, they think will. of him as like some weird person that at 30 is not married yet to some Indian. And why do they not have grandchildren? Exactly. It's hilarious. Oh, it is. It is so funny. It's, it's written and directed by Ravi Patel and his sister, Geta. Yeah. It's, so it's the real people in this film. It's just oh. so, it, it's almost like a scripted film. But it is a documentary. It's right. really interesting. And, of course, because it is the real people and there is no script, it's so realistic. It really is. Yeah. I mean, it, you can you can tell that this is not rehearsed. No, not at all. And and what we do find out is really how these arranged marriages yeah. work. There's a whole system that yeah. I had no idea existed. Right. Oh, yeah. They have, you know, everyone they know is working on getting him married. Yes. <laughs> it's just very funny. All right, let's another clip from Meet the Patels. Dad sent me 20 pictures and resumes of matrimonial candidates, which is totally normal, right? How are we going to send it down? It's not going to happen automatically. I don't want you guys jumping and getting all these other people involved. Looks good, so I'm going to forward this to Ravi, okay? Within weeks, my biodata was in the hands of uncles, aunts, family, friends, and complete strangers. So what did you think of the film? Hi, man, three stars. You know, this is a funny, touching documentary. I mean, and at one point, Ravi says... Remember that one aunt when you go to a wedding that comes over and talks to you about, oh, why would you marry? You want to get goes, picture a whole room of people right. coming over to you and say, yeah. Why you blah, blah, blah. yeah. Oh my God. This guy's life is just turned upside down. Yes. Because yes. he hasn't gotten married and had babies yet. Oh, I at know. At 30. Exactly. His life is over. Right. <laughs> and, oh. But he, but he sort of, um, has fun with it, doesn't he? I he mean, does. it's kind of, it's not like all anxiety ridden and stressed no, out. He he no. he has fun with it. He does. He goes cross country for these yeah. dates. He goes to a marriage convention. He does speed dating. And yeah. we watch it all. Oh, and he's very, he, very funny. He very original just, film. It is. It it's one of a kind. Yeah. All right. So three stars for Meet the Patels and three stars for Everest. You heard it here on Hollywood three sixty. But check out all of Sarah's reviews, not just the one she does here on the show, at her website, which is Sarah's Backstage dot com. Sarah, thanks for being on the show. Thank you, Carl. It's always my pleasure. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. Brought to you by Reader's Digest. 
Who is that person that does that Cat's Pride commercial? I don't recognize that voice. She sounds like she has a smile in her voice, too. Uh, That can't be me. That's not how I sound. That cat be you? That cat be me. That cat be you. (laughs) 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 Meow. Meow. So, hey, we have a contest going on, right? Yes, we should talk about that. Go ahead. You talk about it. People like your voice better than mine anyway. Although I did have one listener recently said that I have... A very nice voice. You so. do have a nice Thank voice. Thank you. That's really nice. I have a face for radio, too. People don't generally like to give you compliments because your head is don't. so big already. Yeah, we you know. can't get through the door. No. So go ahead. Tell uh, our listeners about this awesome contest we have going yes, on. Yes, we are going to be giving away a year's supply of kitty litter. Um, it's made by Cat's Pride, which is the best kitty litter out there. And what you have to do is send in a picture of you and your cat to the email address, which is Cat's Pride photo at gmail.com. That's cat's pride photo at gmail.com. And tell us your name and your cat's name and your city and state at the end of the month, meaning the end of October. The CEO of Cat's Pride, Dan Jaffe, will pick one lucky winner and that lucky winner will win a year supply. We will be doing this every single month for an entire year. So if you don't win October, keep submitting November, December. You've got 12 chances to win throughout the year. Wow. That was it was pretty much perfect. Well, like, like you said everything that I was hoping you were going to say. Oh, well, I, that I, is I, you know, incredible. Lisa. I know how to do it right. It's unbelievable. That's why I make the big box. I am telling you. Yeah, so I hope that our listeners will join. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of I fun. I hope that and, they and, will send in a and picture. And sometimes people send us little stories about their cats, and we love to hear about those too. I hope they will send in a picture of their kitty yep. and their self and their, uh, and their name and their cat's I name. I said that. Yeah. Yeah, send it to Cat's Pride Photo. At gmail.com. Did you say that? Did you say that? I I don't remember. No. I didn't interrupt you though the whole time you were saying it, right? I let you go for about. I let you say the whole thing without any interruption. Pretty exciting. So I think I should get a gold star for that. That's two gold stars. Yeah, I I don't know. So uh, did you know that the 1949 film The Third Man was an international success? Did you know that? It sure was. It was written by Graham Greene and directed by Carol Reed. She did some directing along with you. Right back in the 40s, And uh, the production starred Orson Welles' uh, Mercury Theater alum Joseph Cotton as Holly Martins, a writer of pulp westerns who travels to post-war Vienna at the bequest of his old friend Harry Lyme, played by Orson Welles. Now, uh, in the late 1940s, while living in London, Welles became acquainted with Harry Allen Towers, a radio producer whose company Towers of London, was heavily vested in syndicated radio production, and Towers convinced Wells to appear in a radio series to be titled The Lives of Harry Lyme, based on the character from The Third Man, because, you know, he died in the movie. So they were like, well, he died in the movie, so what do we do now? We do a prequel. He died in the in the sewers of Vienna in the right. Third uh, Man movie. Simply wouldn't do to suddenly uh, decide that Lyme had either arisen from the dead like Lazarus. Right. That wasn't going to work. So Towers with Wells' involvement, decided to make the Lives of Harry Lyme radio series a prequel to The Third Man. Genius. Right. It's absolute genius. And that's what we have now for you. It was, uh, it was on the air for about a year. I think they did about maybe 40 or 50 of these episodes. And Wells is fantastic in it. He's he's Harry Lyme. And so uh, we have it for you now. And I, fa- I think this is actually the first or second, might be the second or, I think it's the first or second episode in the series. August 10th, 1951. It's called See Naples and Live, and it's uh, syndicated, heard on Mutual in the United States. Here is part one now.
of the lives of Harry Lime. Presenting Orson Welles as the third man. The Lives of Harry Lyme. The fabulous stories of the immortal character originally created in the motion picture The Third Man. With zither music by Anton Karras. That was the shot that killed Harry Lyme. He died in a sewer beneath Vienna. As those of you know who saw the movie, The Third Man. Yes, that was the end of Harry Lyme. But it was not the beginning. Harry Lyme had many lives. And I can recount all of them. How do I know? Very simple. Because my name is Harry Lyme. And now, Orson Welles as Harry Lyme, the third man in See Naples and Live. Once upon a time, there was an exquisite and huge emerald locket which spent most of its life looking out of the world from the rather fleshy neck of a Mrs. Donaldson as she waddled like a golden duck across the international social horizon. I had a rather strong desire to change the habitat of this particular locket from the neck of this particular lady to my own particular itching palm. It was Naples before the war. Enter. Ah, you kept me impatient for an hour, Mr. Lyme. I'm sorry, Senor Rubio. I just flew in from London and forgot to move my watch ahead. It is my knowledge that you have been in Naples for three days now, but it does not matter. I am a man with a skill for waiting. I'm going to be very brief. I won't waste any more of your time, old Bueno, bueno. But first I must tell you that I have made all the arrangements to dispose of the Donaldson Emerald. Oh, yes? As soon as we uh, possess it, I uh, There's a small item I forgot to tell you about, Senor Rubio. I have decided to include you out. I, I do not think I understand. To be brief and simple, I have decided to dissolve our partnership, old man. Oh, you are disposing of me? Perhaps that's a nicer way of saying it. I do not prefer to be disposed. Naturally, you don't, but sometimes we get disposed whether we like it or not. Mr. Lyme, we began this enterprise together, and I think we shall finish it together. You have never been more in error, old man. Now, you must forgive me for running off my... A moment, Mr. Lyme. Yes? You recall Carlos... I do. And that young man from Eastbrook, I forget his name. You mean Manhammer? Yes, if it were possible, they would be very sorry they were rude to me. Hmm. I'm now the most well-threatened man in Europe, and you have joined an innumerable caravan. Arrivederci. Don't oh, farewell me yet, Mr. Lyme. Sorry, but I really must. Do not force me to shoot you. <laughs> if you take one more step toward the door, I will uh, fire. Now, don't be a complete fool, old man. If, if they found a dead man in your room, they'd hang you. I will be easy with you. Just tell me where Mrs. Donaldson is, and I, I will forgive you your ungratefulness. Rubio, I'm on my way out. If you fire that gun, the police will be here before you can get out of the hotel. Buongiorno. There's a saying in this city, see Naples and die. It only proves that life is very short and uncertain for us all. Goodbye, old man. Believe me, I'm not a professional hero. I was not at all concerned about Senior Rubio putting a bullet in me, not in his hotel room. I hurried to the pier where the Arcturus was about to dock. She was carrying precious freight, Mrs. Donaldson. I already made arrangements for one of the customs officials to hold Mrs. Donaldson up on a pretext of going through her luggage 
few thousand liras did the trick. Oh, you stubborn man. I tell you, there's nothing contraband in my luggage. You've already gone through my clothes twice with your dirty hands. Amy, talk to this man. He doesn't understand a word of English. My Italian is worse than his English. Per increase tanto, signora, ma è necessario. Ho istruzione di esaminare il vostro bagaglio. Deve aver pazienza. What seems to be the trouble here? Thank heavens, an American. I have no idea why this idiotic official is rummaging through my clothes. That's the matter for him, you know. You'd think I was a smuggler or something. I've been to Naples many times, and there's never been this ridiculous fuss. I'll talk to the American consul, see to it that this man loses his job. I wonder if you could talk to him. That is, if you can speak Italian. Of course, I'd be only too happy to. Let me see what I can do. Che cosa succede qui? È di regola di esaminare ogni 25 passaggeri. Oh, no, questo non è necessario, conosco il signore. Questa è la mia carta. Ah, signore, mi rincresce tanto no, di aver no, dato alla no, no. signora tutto questo disturbo. No, no, veramente. Niente. It's all right now, you're clear. You let me help your bags, hm? Thank you ever so much. I don't know what I would have done without you. Amy, get one of those porters to help us with the luggage. Yes, Mrs. Donald. I have my car here. I'd be glad to give you a lift to your hotel. Oh, okay. I wouldn't want you to bother. Oh, no bother at all. One fellow American to another, you know. Thank you. <laughs> These taxi drivers rob you mercilessly. Uh, oh, it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. My name is Lyme. Harold Lyme. I'm Mrs. Frederica Donaldson. Mrs. Frederica I'm so Donaldson. glad we ran into you. A uh, wonderful piece of luck. <laughs> well, let's say we're well met. <laughs> <laughs> Loveliness was gracing my car. Loveliness in the form of the emerald locket around Mrs. Donaldson's neck, and loveliness in the form of Amy Collins. She was Mrs. Donaldson's hired companion. She had red hair and eyes to match the emerald, and she liked me. I think she liked me. If so often I'd catch her eye. And she'd turn away, as if she were guilty of something. Really, Mr. Lamb, I've never been so humiliated. Just standing there with that man poking away at my underthings, messing up all my clothes. Absolutely no regard for our feelings. Something should be done about this. He was only following instructions. I don't think he was... He doing anything he sought. He was just being malicious and perverse. If it weren't for Mr. Lyme, I don't know what would have happened. We're deeply indebted to him. Oh, you don't owe me anything at all. I did what any other American would have done, Mrs. Donaldson. I wish we could repay you for your kindness. Well, you know, I, I think maybe you can. Wonderful. Just tell us what it is. Well, I've got to buy my sister a gift. It's her birthday. I don't know too much about jewelry, so I wonder if either of you could come along and help me shop. Of course we can. Amy does most of my shopping for me. She's very good oh, at that's it. that's wonderful. I'm sure she'd be delighted to help you. Don't you want me to help you get your things unpacked? I'm already unpacked, thanks to that customs official. No, you go ahead. Just drop me at the hotel. You don't mind, do you, Miss Collins? Oh, no, not at all. Good. It's a relief. Now, I'd like both of you to be my guests at dinner tonight. That's very kind of you. We'd be delighted. Oh, it's my pleasure, Mrs. Donaldson. Really, it's my pleasure. I'm sure it was his pleasure, Lisa. It sounded like it was his pleasure. It's really my pleasure. Orson Welles. I can just hear him saying, we will sell no wine. Before it. Before it's time. He sounds so sophisticated. Right, like I can't remember. It was Palmasson wine or something like that? I think so. I don't that remember. right. But uh, I remember watching, well, we don't have time to talk about it, but I remember watching Orson Welles on Johnny Carson. He would do magic tricks. Really? And he was good. He was really good. All right. Here's a uh, Hugh Jackman 
movie clip, 2012 drama musical romance. I must my name until I die be no more than an alibi. Must I lie? How can I ever face my fellow men? How can I ever face myself again? All right. That's just look in the mirror and you can face yourself again. That's all you have to do <laughs> there, Mr. Jackman. Give us a call if you know what movie that is. Toll free 855-360-H360. 855-360-H360. The phone number is free. It's a free dial. Call us now. Win some prizes. And uh, we'll be back. Lisa and I will, uh, we won't go away. We'll be here. See ya. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. Brought to you by Reader's Digest. All right, Lisa Wolf, this is Hollywood 360 across the country with uh, about 100 radio stations plus Glenn Beck's The Blaze. And uh, folks, if you like our show and you like to listen to our show, but if the station doesn't carry all four hours, we do have a podcast of this program. We put this show up on the Monday following the broadcast. So this coming Monday, you'll have this show all four hours on our homepage, along with a bonus hour of classic radio that we don't broadcast. So you get really almost five hours of programming on our podcast. It's absolutely free to check it out. You don't have to do anything to hear it. Just go to Hollywood360radio.com. Hollywood360radio.com. That's our official website. There's all kinds of fun stuff there, including our store and our affiliates. And uh, there's millions of pictures of Lisa Wolf. She's constantly posting new pictures of herself. I don't know how she does it. It's miraculous to me. She uh, just has ways of getting these uh, photographers to take pictures of her, and they post and put them up on the site. Yeah, it's the paparazzi. I, I don't know how I she know. does it. She just uh, I don't know how she finds time to do the show and to cook for her kids. I don't. And to do whatever. Do whatever I do. You know, and um, taking the pictures all the time. Yeah, it's I, a I just job. And just don't know. And Lisa Wolf also has a website. It's called LisaWolf.com. Uh, that's, that's it. Lisa that's Wolf. It. I don't know how she got that <laughs> URL. I don't know how much money, millions of dollars she Did paid. Did you ever look for Carl Amari? No, I don't even want to. I'm going to check that out. No, no. Nah. But she has she has her own website, LisaWolf.com. She has so many pictures of herself that there wasn't enough. There was too many to put on one site. It, it was Overload. It, it filled the whole uh, memory bank. Or whatever it is <laughs> on the site, the so she had to open up her own website <laughs> right. to have the overflow of pictures mm-hmm. of herself. Yeah. There's just a plethora. You're a kidder, Carl. A plethora of Lisa Wolf pictures. You're a kidder. There's color pictures. There's black and white. There's <laughs> sepia pictures. There's all kinds of pictures. There's long pictures. There's short pictures. There's old pictures. There's new pictures. It's all Lisa. Yep. All so me. check that out. Uh, all right, it is time to uh, play this clip again. This is a 2012 drama musical romance. Hugh Jackman. I must my name until I die. Be no more than an alibi. Must I lie? How can I ever face my fellow men? How can I ever face myself again? What movie is this? Let's see if Tom out in Waukegan knows. Hi, Tom. How you doing, Carl? Hey, good. How are you? I'm great. All right. Glad you're listening to the show. I hope you're enjoying it. Did you like uh, Boston Blackie a little earlier? Oh, yeah. And then uh, we're tuning into uh, Harry Lime now. So uh, And then The Whistler in our uh, fourth hour. Don't miss that. Oh, I can't wait. I know. That. All right, Tom, what movie is this? This is your favorite musical. Yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, it, it is. It is. Good job, Tom. You are a winner. You're going to win some fun prizes. Sound good? Oh, awesome. Thank All you. All right, buddy. Thanks for calling in. Tom Newitt, Les Miserables. This is uh, 2012. Hugh Jackman. Russell Crowe is the bad guy in this, right? He is. He's the mean guy. And uh, Hugh Jackman is Jean Valjean. And he lost considerable weight and grew a real scraggly beard for scenes as Jean Valjean as a prisoner, though mercifully they were shot first in production, and he could shave and return to his usual weight for scenes playing Jean Valjean as a wealthy man. Yep. So there you go. The Victor Hugo classic. Yes. Les Miserables. All right, Lisa. I know hey, you like Carl. I know you like that movie. I, I, and I the don't honestly I don't love the movie but I do love the play. Anne Hathaway sings away in this too. Yeah, I'm more of a play kind of a There's gal. all kinds of real singing in this. You know, I really like the play. Though. I know, not me. All right, yeah. let's get back to the lives of Harry Lyme. We deposited fat Mrs. Donaldson in a room and then Amy and I went shopping. I took her along to the Corso Vittorio Emanuele, one of Naples' better thoroughfares. What are you looking for, Mr. Lyme? Please, call me Harry. All right. May I call you Amy? If you wish. Hmm. <laughs> you don't sound very enthusiastic. Please call me Amy. <laughs> That's much better. What do you want to buy for your sister? Some nice jewelry, a necklace or a locket, something like that. Mrs. Donaldson was wearing something pretty, something like that. <laughs> you don't know much about jewelry, do you? Well, I know what I like. Most of the time, the things I like, you can find in a dime store. You won't find Mrs. Donaldson's locket in a dime store. It costs about $20,000. 20000 You're kidding. No, that's a real emerald she has set in the locket. Well, she must be crazy traveling with a thing like that flashing on her neck. Oh, well, it's not very wise, but she's very sentimental about it. Her husband gave it to her just before he died. She swore to wear it every day of her life. She was very devoted to him. Well, I suppose you think I'm pretty much of a chump about jewelry. You have good taste. I also have good luck meeting you. Life is very strange, isn't it? Mm. Why? Well, just half an hour ago, you and I were total strangers. Now here I am helping you buy a gift as if if we'd known each other for a long time. Well, there's nothing wrong in that, is there? No, it's... Just at the moment you entered the scene, things seemed to move fast and efficiently. You make it sound as if it were a force. Oh, I didn't mean it that way. I can go away and come back again and do it more slowly. I suppose I sound foolish. Perhaps it's because you liked me too soon. Well, I... I... Well, I, I liked you too soon. Well... That's probably too fast for you, too. But you see, I'm a man who says what's on his mind. It's probably not a very efficient way of talking to a gentle soul like you. Oh, no, I prefer straightforward people. All right, now, you be straightforward. What was your first reaction to me when you first saw me? Uh, I was interested, perhaps maybe intrigued. That's better. You have a way of condensing relationships quickly. Well, if people like each other, they don't need a calendar full of time to tell them about it. Good things grow slowly. Here's a shop. Hmm. Hmm. Well, they all look pretty. That, that filigree pin... I like that. It's very nice. Which one? Uh, the one near the large cameo. Oh, yes, it is very pretty. Shall we go in? Wait. Let's look at the other things in the window. Ah, I'm begging your pardon. I heard you conversing English. We were talking American, a totally different language. I- I'm trying to reach Via Salvatore Rosa. Could you inform me how to get there? Sure, old man. Turn right the next corner and go straight for three squares. Oh, I'm much grateful. That's right, all right. You like, to, uh, you like a cigarette? Uh, no, no, thank you very much. Just turn right at the next corner. Oh, I'm unhappy to trouble you further, oh, but that's, uh, uh, do you have a match? I'm sorry, but I don't have any matches with me. I have a light. Mademoiselle is most generous. 
Hmm. A thousand thanks. Uh, turn right at the next corner. And three squares and down. And three eh? squares down. Good day to you all. Perhaps you will meet again, eh? Good day. He seemed most reluctant to leave. Yeah. Uh, an odd fellow. Why did you refuse to give him a light? I didn't like his face. Did you ever see him before? Why do you ask that? We acted as if he knew you. Well, I didn't care to know him. I think you gave him the wrong direction. It could be. It seems that if he followed your directions, he would find himself in the Bay of Naples. I'm sure it won't dampen his spirits. Should we go in now? Yes, of course. There's just one thing I'd like to ask you. I'll answer anything you want. What do you do for a living? Uh, uh, For a living? Oh, I'm a dealer in objets d'art. I wander through the world collecting the best things. Sounds very interesting. It is. It's... It's often quite exciting. Now, let's go in and buy that filigree pin. I bought a pin for 2,500 lira. On the way back to Amy's hotel, she was thoughtful and not much inclined to do any talking. I took her by the hand. She didn't object to that, but... She didn't react to the touch. Put it simply, she just let me hold her hand, nothing more. I suspected that Signor Rubio had made too strong an impression. It was essential now that I work fast. The emerald would have to be in my pocket tonight or not at all. However, I wasn't worried about Rubio. Strangely enough, it was Amy it bothered me. I was beginning to be a little too fond of her. Well, that was bad. I always make it a point not to be too fond of anyone in this world. This is a lovely romantic restaurant. Well, I'm glad How you like it. How did you discover it, Mr. Lyon? Well, just asked the porter in the hotel. They know everything in Italy. The portiers are the best informed people in the country. It's simply delightful. Oh, God. Don't you think so, Amy? Yes, I do. It's charming. Won't you have some more spumante? Well, just a drop. Ooh, I declare it's just like champagne. Yes, it's the Italian version. It's so kind of you to give so much time to us, Mr. Lyon. Really, it is. Amy, isn't Mr. Lyon just a dear? I think he's most generous. I'm having such a delicious time. I feel so happy. Happier than I've been since... I I wish poor Benjamin were here with us. You would have liked him, Mr. Lyme. Oh, I'm sure I would. Uh, poor Benjamin. Oh, no, 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 Mrs. Donaldson. Let's not be sad here. Just have a little more spumante. Oh, hmm? I really don't think we should. I'm afraid you're going to make us all drunk, Mr. Lyme. Oh, Amy. I don't think another drop will hurt us. After all... Now, this time, Mrs. Donaldson is becoming thoroughly relaxed. Spumante is a fine relaxer. I stirred the champagne with a wooden swizzle stick, the bottom of which was well laced with phenobarbital. My keynote for the evening, as you can see, was relaxation. Before the evening was over, my emeralded guest was going to be the most relaxed woman in all Italy. The spumante bubbled and frothed over as I stirred it. I know I shouldn't have another glass, but perhaps you had better stop, Mrs. Donaldson. Never. I just feel so wonderful. How about you, Amy? All right. A toast to us. May we always be as happy as we are now. A toast to you, Mr. Lyon. You wonderful, wonderful man. I patted her neck. I wanted her to get used to the touch of my hand against her neck. She withdrew a little. Her neck had become super sensitive about the locket. We drank. I studied the clasp on the lock. It was a simple device. You turned a tiny wheel, and it released the catch. 
Just a twist of the wrist. The musicians are going to play again. Uh, come here, dear. Come here. Please, Mr. Lime, no more spumante. No, I have a special surprise. Yes, senor. Have the musicians come over here. Yes, senor. Oh, isn't that sweet? That's a lovely gesture, Harry. I thought you'd forgotten my first name. Here they are, senor. What would you like them to play? Well, what would you like, Mrs. Donaldson? Oh, I can't think of a thing. How about some Neapolitan songs? Uh, per favore, a monastero Santa Chiara. Canta per They were completely at ease, and they trusted me. Amy stole her hand into mine as they played. It was really quite pleasant. I leaned back and relaxed. That was just beautiful. Very good. Thank you. Molto grazie. Here's something for the lads. Oh, grazie, signor. Did you enjoy it, Mrs. Donaldson? They played divine. I have a wonderful idea. How would you all like to go for a drive to Pompeii? At this hour? Yes, yeah, only ten o'clock. It's a full moon. Quite a thrill. I adore to go. Fascinating place. I've been there many times. Well, you have to see it at night. That's Isn't it closed? Time. Of course it is. We can go in through the back way near the arena. I'm willing if Mrs. Donaldson is. Try and stop me. What a marvelous idea. It's just one thing. What is it? Amy told me about your emerald locket. I think it'd be safer if you left it at your hotel. In the safe hotel. Don't you worry about it. I never take it off no, but my really. neck. Except when I retire. Don't worry about it. It's perfectly safe. Besides, we won't find any criminals in Pompeii. No, I'm sure not. But all the same, I'd feel better if you left oh, the Oh, no, no, I can't do that. Please don't fret about it. All right, if you're sure. Let's go right now. Just let me pay the bill. Come here, Yes, senor. Conto, per favore. Check. Si, senor. It was less than an hour's ride to the ancient extinct city of Pompeii, lying like a corpse at the foot of its killer, Vesuvius. We entered through the gardens of an ancient home. The moon shone down hard and white, lighting up the empty city. Isn't it thrilling, beautiful, and frightening? A chap by the name of Trebio Valenti used to live here. He hasn't been home for nearly 2,000 years. Here we are in Abodanza Street. It's in perfect condition. Isn't it exciting? It's unbelievable. Yeah, look at the gutter. You can see where the chariot wheels made deep ruts in the stone. What a narrow street. We can walk in the gutter. I don't think we'll be run over by any chariots tonight. Where does this street lead to? To the Forum. What about those lovely buildings? Oh, they're old mansions. Along with a couple of rich fellows. See the sign on the wall? What does it say? Post no bills. In Latin. <laughs> and the sign alongside of it? Down with such and such a tyrant. Time has worn away the name. It's just amazing. It's all beginning to make me feel faint. Now, don't you feel well, Mrs. Donaldson? I, I feel fine. Uh, just sleepy. I don't know why I should feel sleepy when I'm so excited. Don't you want to sit down? Maybe I'd better. We'll just rest for a moment. I think we'd better go back. We will, but first we'll let Mrs. Donaldson catch a few minutes rest. There's a marble bench in the atrium of the Casa de Ceriale. He used to be an arrogant rich man who didn't like the strangers visiting his palatial home, but I don't think you'll mind now. Oh, it's lovely in here. Here we are. You sit down, Mrs. Donaldson, rest your shoulder against mine. There you are. You're a darling, Mr. Lyme. Amy, if you walk into the other room to your right, you'll see some excellent frescoes. They're beautifully preserved. May I have the flashlight? Yes, here, here. Mrs. Donaldson was sleeping softly. I pressed my fingers against her neck to test her responses. There was no reaction. I tried it again so that even in her sleep she'd feel no alarm, become accustomed to the feel of fingers around her throat. She slept peacefully on I quickly unloosed the catch in her slow care, not to slide the locket. Picked it gently off her neck. At the same time, I held her hand 
to divert his sensation of touch, it was done quickly. I was ready to make my silent departure, gently propped her against a pillar. Then I heard a sound that froze me, footsteps. Footsteps, and they weren't Amy's. Who's there? Oh, what's the matter? I caught a glimpse of him. It was one of the guards. There was only one thing to do, run. Starless Tabioni, I turned the corner and ran into one of the old Roman baths. I made for one of the rooms, expecting it to have another exit. It was dark, and I fumbled around. I had a very unpleasant feeling when I became aware that the only way out was the way I came in. I ran back. It's too late. My pursuer was standing at the entrance with a flashlight in one hand and a gun in the other. It was not a guard. It was a ruby. You see, Harry, fate has thrown us together again. <sighs> it's still around her neck. The locket, please. I just told you. It's I'm still... not in my hotel now. This time I will kill you. Give me the locket. I... I'm not a usually reckless fellow, but this time I did a very rash thing. I rushed him. He fired. The bullet tore a hole in my shoulder, barely touching my skin. I wrestled with him. He fell on the marble floor. He was wiring very strong. In a few seconds, it was clear that he was in far better shape than I. Then he hit me a very rude blow on the head with a gun. And I abandoned the fight. For a moment, I just lay there thinking... Thinking what a very evil moment of my life this was. Now, the locket. Okay. Thank you. Now I think I will dispose of you for having caused me all this trouble. Halt! revolver, signore, altrimenti tiro. That's the police, Ruby, old man. You're caught. Caught red-handed. But the emerald... It doesn't belong to you, old man. Better go along quietly with the police. Look, there's some more of them coming through the door. No use putting up a fight. Remember what I've always told you, old man. Crime doesn't pay. I don't know how to thank you, Mr. Lang. Risking your life to save my locket. Oh, that's all right. You're the most brave man to chase after him in the dark, unarmed. Well, I just gone to see where Amy was, and I heard the sound. There he was, deftly removing the locket from your neck. I felt someone puttering around my neck, but I thought it was you. Oh, really? I, I was asleep, you know. <laughs> now, I had my suspicions about this Rubio from the first. Does the wound hurt much? Oh, it's nothing. It's a hole in my suit. And a bird bump on your head, you poor boy. Mm-hmm. It'll heal. Amy... You haven't said a word to our hero since they arrested that Rubio man. I'm... I'm just stunned. Oh, I'm sorry we got you into this. I, I never should have taken you to Pompeii. It's all my fault. Of course not. That terrible man would have tried to snatch the locket wherever I was. It's just a lucky thing I met up with you. I'm going to give you a gift. You just must take it. A hundred-pound note. Oh, I wouldn't think of it. It'd make you very it. happy if you took it. Oh, no, I absolutely... Please, I Mr. Lyon, please. Well, if it means so much to you, I'll Splendid. give it to my favorite charity, yes. Well, here we are at the hotel, safe and sound. Thanks to you. I must run upstairs. The whole thing has given me a severe headache. You will call me in the morning, won't you, Mr. Lyme? Indeed, I will, Mrs. Donaldson. Good night. Good night. Oh, Amy, can I have a word with you? I'll be up in a moment, Mrs. Donaldson. Of course, dear. Good night, Jan. And bless you, Mr. Lyme. I'm... I'm sorry about this evening, Amy. So am I. Let's meet for lunch tomorrow. No, Harry. Why not? I never saw the frescoes on the wall. You didn't? No, I didn't find them, and I walked all the way around. I saw you from the front entrance. Oh. Besides, a man who deals in fine arts would know an emerald locket from a dime store trinket. 
Yes. Should have thought of that. I was beginning to like you very much, Harry. Well, I'm sorry. I'm not the kind of man you'd like to begin to like a little more. It's a pity. You want to see me again, ever? It'll never be any good. Well, you might as well have the filigree pin. What about your sister? I haven't spoken to my sister in ten years. She doesn't approve of me. Suppose... Supposing I give it to you. No, thanks. You mean you wouldn't take it? No, no, I couldn't. Well, supposing if you didn't take it, I just threw it away. Oh, but you shouldn't do that. Oh, I won't. I won't. We were just supposing. Now, goodbye, Amy. There's no supposing about that, I suppose. As I walked to my hotel, I thought about La Faire Emerald. It cost me about $100 to bribe the custom official, the champagne, and the gold filigree pin. The reward left me with a profit of $270-odd plus a bump on the head and a hole in my suit. I'd lost the lovely green emerald and the lovely green eyes of Amy. The emerald didn't bother me too much, but Amy... Amy. She nearly interfered with the great romance of my life. My love for Harry Lyme. And there you have it, The Lives of Harry Lyme from... August 10th, 1951, See Naples and Live, starring Orson Welles, the great Orson Welles, that was recorded in London at the BBC, Lisa Wolf, and, uh, well, they aired it on the BBC out there, and then in uh, the United States, it aired on the Mutual Broadcasting System. Let's take a break, then it's more here on Hollywood 360. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360, brought to you by Reader's Digest. All right, we need a caller right now to play Stump the Host. Uh, phone lines are open. Would you like to call and play the game with us and win some fabulous prizes, CDs and DVDs and all kinds of fun stuff? Well, right now is the time to call play Stump the Host. It's 855-360-H. 360, the H is a 4. Call toll-free right now. Phone lines are open. 855-360-H. 360, the H is a 4. Lisa... Worked very hard on her Stump the Host uh, questions, and uh, we'll be right back to play the game. So call now. We'll see you in a few. 